eyes may be able to see, but without a heart. Welcome to the Will Come Show Fireside Edition, the show where we interview community leaders, influencers, and professionals on how they found their way in business and life. All right, to get us started, Goldie, tell us a little bit about your career history. Yes, so I have a little bit of an unusual career trajectory, I guess you could say. I started out doing biology at Stanford and actually had a published article in genetics where I was studying fruit flies, if you could imagine. (laughs) Right? And when I came out, I had a couple of offers. One was graphic designer, I think at a startup at the time. One was to work at an HIV lab, actually a very prestigious one. And I decided to forgo all of that and actually become a fashion designer. So I became a fashion designer for a couple years. And then right when a big box store wanted to put my line in stores, I had to actually find a business partner. And I think this is one of the biggest learning experiences for me at the time when I was 21 was that it is really hard to find a business partner (laughs) who, uh, you know, matches your style, but is truly complementary as opposed to over too much overlapping or Mm. essentially your skill set. So it was really interesting. I actually never found the kind of partner I wanted. And I was also I'm going to say I was pretty impulsive. Mm. So I shut down shop and had my first really good nervous breakdown. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. How was that? (laughs) That was good because you need at least one in your life to really spur you, have a big life change. And so I had my nervous breakdown. I was uh, eating peanut butter sandwiches and ramen. (laughs) As you do. As as you do, playing a lot of Sims and Smash Brothers and HGTV. So now I definitely know how to redecorate my summer home. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so rambling right now. But yes, after (laughs) that, my friends kind of got together and were like, you really need to get a job. You need to get off your butt and get back to work. That's actually how I got into social media and how I got into marketing and how I got into community management. My first job was at a startup. I was the youngest person on the team. And they essentially were like, great, you've heard of this thing called the Facebooks, right? We need to get a Facebook. <laughs> the Facebook, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're like, we need some of this Facebook stuff. They're like, you probably also heard of a blog. Mm. Do you know how to blog? And it was one of those things you just, you're thrown in the fire and you, you're the youngest person on the team. So you just do what they ask you to. And that's how I got started in social media. At the time when I started, social media was not even really, truly a career or a job you could actually have, but it was part of marketing. So I've been in social media for a very, very long time. I was there when they unveiled Twitter at a community unconference on a giant sticky note board. And I looked at it and I just thought to myself, who's going to use this? (laughs) Yeah, right. And now look. (laughs) And now look. So uh, my foresight, not always the best, but, uh, but it was very interesting to see literally somebody write out the concept of Twitter on a giant notepad because they were like, first you do the at sign, then you have everyone has a handle, and then you just write in 140 characters, you know, what you're thinking. And I was like, who needs this? We already have Facebook. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing because 
you're reminding me of like even my sister. There's still many companies today, right, that still kind of refer to the Facebook or like still don't get social media. For perhaps those who are maybe still in that space, what do you have to say to them in terms of like getting on board with social media and like why that matters now more than ever? It's so funny because I had to explain this 10 years ago and I'm still having to explain this yeah, now. Yeah. It's so important because it is how you can get marketing of your product out there now. Mm. I mean, there's still traditional ways of marketing. There's still mailers. There's still all these things that you can do that work for, say, businesses. Like I had a very large real estate client and for them, traditional mailers worked. But they need to have a social presence. They need to have a good website. They needed to have a way that especially the younger agents, the younger real estate agents could communicate with them that was outside of traditional pieces of physical mail. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I run into this a lot with especially older CEOs, older C-level executives, is there's a lot of pushback against Instagram, against Snapchat, against all of these, I would say, newer platforms now yeah. that I have the same resistance to for <laughs> Twitter and Facebook forever ago. Yep. So. It's just a matter of understanding that if this is where your community is, then that's where you need to be. <laughs> mm, yeah, right. So not looking at like what you particularly like yourself, but yeah, where your audience or community is actually living. Absolutely. I think I went off track, but uh, just to wrap up quickly. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> history was, so I started marketing. I started doing a lot of that. And then actually I got into producing. Mm. So I am in the Producers Guild of America. And that has been awesome. I'm in the New Media Council, one of the youngest and ethnicist. <laughs> <laughs> nice word. Yeah. I'm going to use right. that. <laughs> uh, in there. So that's been really interesting in terms of the diversity, basically, in a group that's mm. very traditional and very old. And um, at one particularly interesting phone call there, they just simply said, we don't want more people who make cat videos because they're super <laughs> resistant. To new media, just by having a new media council, very it was just hilarious. But yes, so I do that now, and I'm also head of marketing at Sumall. They're super great social analytics startup based out of New York. So I live in Los Angeles, and I work in the New York time zone. Oh, wow! <laughs> I have such a great team; it's really hard for me to be mad about it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, so you got a lot going on for yourself, huh? Yep. There's always side projects, right? So I'm also working on a kid show in the vein of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, mm. developing that because we need a lot more love in this world to be totally corny. <laughs> <laughs> the teen tween market needs a lot more positive, comforting messaging going out there. And they don't necessarily have that right now. Yeah. They have a lot of noise. They have a lot of people trying to grab their attention and a lot of noise and not a lot of self-reflection. Mm. So, What are your thoughts on, um, I think I was looking at, it's hard not to avoid President Trump's tweets. And I think somebody made a, yeah, right, a comment recently about like how his tweets are not very presidential behavior. But then he responded, which I was like, hmm, touche, with, you know, this is modern presidential what are your thoughts on that? They're using social media. So I think our U.S. president, as I am obviously in the States, I am a proud U.S. citizen. It's been very interesting. I am not pro-Trump. Yeah, sorry to go political. <laughs> no, no, no. Watching him a little bit disintegrate 
part of what ex-President Obama worked so hard to build has been sad. But yes, it's true that in this new world, there's a lot of noise, and he certainly contributes to that noise. He speaks very loudly and often without actual content (laughs) (laughs) or with very nasty content. And to be fair, if you look on a lot of these teen sites, you know, I hate to say it, but on some sites like Musical.ly or some of the other teen-oriented sites, you'll see some of this behavior come out in teenagers. And it's unfortunate because it's being modeled in our adults. It's being modeled in our president. And that's where they get it from, which is why it's so important that we promote and pull up better role models for teens on social media to show them what is an appropriate way to act and what is a mature adult way to do social media. I personally love Ava DuVernay, who is a director writer here in the US. And she did 13th, which is an amazing Netflix show about incarceration. She handles social media in a very warm way, very open way, very intelligent way. And she is, I think, one of those adults that we need to be pushing teens more towards. Like this is a mature adult. And I get it. Trump is really fun in some ways and that he says really terrible salacious things (laughs) but it's just terrible because he gives such to me such a dangerous and toxic role model for teenagers today and do you think this is just inevitable with if we talk about diversity right diversity means that we get the good and the bad right is that one of the downsides of like our diversity conversations i think that there's so many levels to having any conversation on diversity. There's varying levels of privilege that also come tied in regardless of what your race is, right? Mm. If your socioeconomic level is very good, there's certain things that you may not have to deal with as a person of color, honestly, almost ever, right? Yeah. But there is also some key themes that run through, I think, all of our dialogues about diversity. And as a person of color, I think it is so important... I always talk about safe spaces. Mm. I think it is so important to make safe spaces where you can have dialogues with other people of color, where you can have meaningful conversations, not just rants, (laughs) 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 which it's very tempting to do at times when things go uh, really badly, (laughs) but to have places where you can have meaningful discussions with other people who you know, share your skin color or share your experience, but may not share your thoughts, right? May not share your opinion. And I think it's important to have, honestly, safe spaces like that for people of color, run by people of color, Mm. which is not, of course, always the case either. We have a lot of really well-meaning nonprofits that are run by people not of color (laughs) (laughs) for people of color. And I very much appreciate that effort and that thought that goes into it. But I think things are always better served when people of color make beautiful things for other people of color. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very well said. And also, I know we talked a little bit before where you were talking to some kids about what you do and the many things that you do. And one kid asked, right, like, how do you keep sane or how do you stay sane with it all? Do you want (laughs) to fill us in on like what you ended up answering with? (laughs) Sure. So it was funny because all the other kids that I spoke to at this event, and I shouldn't say kids, young people, right? The young people at this event that I spoke to, 
their questions were like, great, I want to launch this. How do I launch this in two months? Or like, I want to know this super famous person. How do I get access to that person? These are all concrete answers I can give a best guess to, right? His was, okay, so say I'm in it. Say I have my first job in the industry. And he specifically was asking about entertainment, Mm -hmm. but it applies to certainly startup and other fast-paced industries and places. But he was like, specifically, how do I deal with, I'm in this crazy first job of mine, I'm on my career path. How do I stay sane and grounded and not lose myself? Mm. It definitely stopped me because almost no one asks this question. Like everyone wants to know about famous people or how do you get things done? The way I answered him was I simply told him that it is so important to surround yourself with the right kind of people It is so important to have outside hobbies that have nothing to do with what you do. So for example, say you're a writer. (laughs) It's important that if you're a boxer, that's awesome, right? Like if you like horseback riding, that is great. If you are a nerd like me and you like collecting comic books, even better. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's so important though to go back to that first point I made, to surround yourself with people who are non-toxic, to surround yourself with people who support you 110%, to surround yourself with people who really believe at the end of the day that you are not only capable of what you are setting out to do, but that whatever you are trying to do is interesting and is worthwhile. So even if they don't understand I have a lot of friends like this, right? Even if they don't understand what the heck it is you do, that they are supporting you as a person, Mm -hmm. as a human being, as somebody that they love. Very timely. I wish you were with me last night, actually. Um, I was at the Slack headquarters here in Melbourne, and Mm -hmm. um, they were hosting an evening session about finding a job here in Australia for asylum seekers and refugees. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a tough subject. Oh, oh, yes. But, you know, the audience was, they were awesome. You know, like intelligent people in the room, very curious, very engaged. And I went to just watch my friend, Adam Richmond. He's actually a recruiter. He now works for another company, but he recruited me. And uh, I was listening to him and the questions were great. But then all of a sudden, I ended up joining him on stage to talk to everybody. Yeah, because they invited me up on stage. One of the ladies there, I think she was from either Nigeria or Ethiopia, She was talking to the rest of the room about the importance of networking and how that has helped her find her way here in Australia. Because there was a lot of conversation around your CV, interviewing styles and questions, right? And, you know, I don't know many people, well, at least personally, like that hasn't actually been the reason why I've gotten jobs as well, like personally. And for other people in the room, I think, yeah, you can get caught up in just the tactical things, right? But the networking and who you know and surrounding yourself with the right people, that ended up being like the crux um, of the conversation. And you could tell some people who were just very, I don't know, logical, rational, and maybe don't understand people, right? They're like, no, but I need to have my CV, you know, straight and everything. Like, do you find that too? Like when you're talking to others about like career navigation, is that still a thing where people are still so focused on, yeah, the CV and the interviews and forget about the networking side and the people side? I think it is incredibly foolish to think that you live in a vacuum, 
Mm. in which only you and your CV, or as we call in the States, resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, that's right, resume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I know it's called a CV over there. Yeah. But uh, no one exists in a vacuum. And I know that, for example, this role that I currently have, I would not have it if I did not have friends, yeah. period. And I know that uh, there's been a lot of other roles where they have checked out my social media and then somebody has said, for example, oh, I follow Goldie on Twitter. I follow Goldie yeah. on Instagram. She's solid. I know her content. Therefore, mm. I know her. Yes. So they feel like they're a friend. They feel like they're part of my community. And I've gotten jobs because of that as well. I just personally think it is so important to go out there, meet people this is something I actually speak to young people of color who come from disadvantaged environments about, which is a lot of them are very shy. There's a half and yeah. half, right? Yeah. Half are really loud and very brash and need to tone it down. And then half are super shy because they live in a really tough world mm -hmm. and they just know to keep their head down to literally not get shot because that's a reality in their world. And I always say you need to go out there you need to talk to strangers, which sounds yes. really weird, but you need to learn about things that also you're not necessarily directly interested in. So if you're interested in startups, it's actually always good to talk to people who have brick and mortar businesses. Yeah. If you're interested in entertainment, it's good to talk to people who work in startups. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so important talking to other people. It's so important getting to genuinely know other people and why they are motivated to do the things that they do because you'll be surprised how much when you make an effort to genuinely get to know other people and why they do the work they do how much they will actually care about you and your trajectory and what it is that you want to do because it's coming out of a very genuine heartfelt place yeah. I have always operated from this zone, which is not how other people operate. I understand. Mm. But um, this is what I speak to young people about, which is if you really want something and it comes from your soul that you want that yes. thing, then operate from a really genuine place that expresses that, mm. you know, and, and talk to people from that place. And people will be moved by how real you are because there are so many fake mm. people in this world that just want things and just want to use and take, take and use. Yeah. So. so what would, I guess, yeah, your advice be to, because I know a few of the audience members from last night, they ended up like subscribing to the show. So they're going to be listening to this. Oh, um, good. Right. One of the questions they had too was a guy was like, look, I, I'm, I'm a like marine biologist or microbiologist or something. And it's like, how do I network with people on a professional level if I'm not comfortable with that yet? And you were talking about, you know, connecting also in things that are unrelated, right? Or in communities unrelated. What would your answer be uh, to him? So I think if you care about what it is that you do, that is already a plus. So if you love being a marine biologist and say you want to meet people in the startup world, right? Something totally different than what you currently do. I think it's important to come in and also think about commonalities, right? As yeah. a marine biologist, you do an intense amount of research, you're probably quite good at, if you're working from this perspective, analytics perhaps, yeah. you're probably working with a lot of math. There's always overlap in the world. We're never really truly in boxes, right? So if he can find the overlap between being a marine biologist and then whoever he's speaking to, there is always going to be overlap 
And if there is not obvious overlap, you can always express interest in what the other person does if you also don't feel comfortable talking about yourself. Mm. You can always ask, how did you get to where you are now? One of my favorite questions is, what has been a really difficult moment for you, you know, in your life and or your career or both, right? Because sometimes we have such a defining moment that happens in both our life and our career, and it changes our path and who we are. But I think asking genuine questions and being genuinely interested in the answers that come from them is a good way to interact if you don't feel necessarily comfortable with talking about yourself. It is, however, of course, very important to know how to pitch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And do it in a way where it doesn't come across as a pitch too, right? Like that's a skill in and of itself. I always say this to people, we're all animals. We can sense when something is wrong or when an animal is trying to bluff us or showing too much bravado, mm. showing too much of his peacock feathers all at once. Tell these things because we're still at, at our core. We're still really just animals but what we do like because we're animals is when one of us speaks to another one and we actually genuinely have a conversation and you're like this is just how I am how are you really you know not just your elevator pitch but who are you really and what is it that you really want so I guess do you carry a an element of curiosity you know when you're connecting with others is that the thing that allows other people to open up with you and also feel safe because you do a really good job of that. Actually, I've noticed on your Facebook, just with your messages in general, you know, you put up messages that invite conversation and, and it does make people feel safe. So, yeah, you know, like in an actual conversation for those who are listening again, how do you invite that safe space in a conversation when you're just connecting with someone? So it's funny that you mentioned my Facebook page. I specifically actually write a lot of messages about PTSD sometimes on my page about really hard subjects about anxiety and trauma, but in a way that I like to think is very warm and inviting for people to comment and not feel threatened. And I think how I'm successful at it is I'm just a mama bear in general. Yeah. <laughs> when I join groups, I joined one group and literally two days later, I'm the admin slash co-founder of the group, even though I did not make this group at all. This is just, this just happens to me very naturally because I have a genuine interest, genuine curiosity about other people. And if yep. somebody is doing something that is contributing good to the world, is contributing family and community to the world, mm. I genuinely want to help. And with my Facebook messages in particular, the warmth that you see is me. I'm that corny in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that there is a lot of hurt and heaviness that we carry in ourselves. And one of my personal mottos is turn hurt into love, right? Mm -hmm. Take a lot of our heavy burdens or our anxieties and turn that into like much lighter, much warmer love because love is very spreadable. And how do you then, of course, right? This is a little bit useless, but how do you replicate that, right? If you are not as corny as I am, how do you make that real? I think it's when you come from a place that's not filled with bravado, right? You come from a place where you're not just speaking from your ego or your insecurities. Yeah. Because ego, insecurity, and I'm going to throw that J word in there, jealousy yeah. are the things that make us weak. They're the reasons why spaces feel unsafe because we attack each other in so many ways because of insecurity and jealousy. 
and bravado. And that applies to everyone. I'm not immune from this. Pretty much everyone is not immune from this. But if you can try to put more of that aside, you'd be surprised how much messaging comes across as warmer, as more genuine, as more loving, because you're not speaking as a, oh my God, love me place. Or like, oh my God, I'm so awesome. Like, (laughs) this is what I have to say, because I'm just so dope, you know? (laughs) But you are, Goldie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And this is the other thing. I will just say this. This is something I've actually been working on with one of my female friends, which is she has a hard time accepting compliments because she's insecure. She gets incredibly defensive. And I've been working with her on saying things. Because whenever somebody says something really genuinely nice to you, you should thank them so the universe sends you more and affirms that you are that person. But you should always mean it when you say it. Just say thank you and understand that you are that wonderful person that people say that you are. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Without yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a fine line, right? Because say, for example, you know, if a guy does give a genuine compliment to a girl, right? What if a girl does interpret that as um, an advancement, an unwanted advancement, right? Like, how do you do with that? You know, how do you know the difference between a genuine compliment and someone, you know, who's just maybe has other intentions, the world of women and men in the heterosexual way is mm. very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's age old, isn't it? <laughs> it's age old. It's incredibly complicated. It's funny because I meet so many people. I, as you know, I host a lot of meetups myself. Mm. I'm always mama bearing these meetups. And, and every once in a while, I'll get a guy yeah. uh, who is inappropriate. Yep. Um, and that's actually something I'm working on myself, which is having better boundaries and having better protection for me, honestly, mm. in terms of like, some guys get really handsy, really fast with me because I'm very warm and I like to give hugs and they think this means I like other things, which I don't <laughs> so put a dot, dot, dot there yeah, yeah. in public with other people around, but yeah. inappropriate. <laughs> it's um, like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. So I think boundaries. I think you can be warm and loving and have good boundaries. And that doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you a strong person because you know what your limits and your sides are. And I think that's all you really need in terms of like, like when a guy gives a compliment to a straight girl, I think if she just says thank you and he's just like, great. And that's all there is to it. Then that's just a genuine compliment and you should accept it as what it is at face value. And I try to always do that because you also just never know about a person You never know where that compliment is coming from. And I think I like to assume that things come from a good place. And then if they don't come from a good place, I like to shut that shit down so fast because it is inappropriate (laughs) and unwanted. And you just need to let somebody know that like, this is not okay. And just as an adult, be like, hey, I don't appreciate this. And if you don't stop, you know. We can't talk to each other anymore. We can't interact because you're interacting in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable and is inappropriate. Yeah. Even for myself, there was a time in my my younger years where, yeah, it was very difficult to accept compliments from people. You feel like you have to kind of like give it back or redirect it somewhere or, oh, yeah, what did that actually mean? But (laughs) this is kind of related, but maybe not. But do you think there's a difference between this might be a heavy one? a victim and a victim mentality. 
that's difficult because there is a clear difference between an actual victim and a victim mentality. And I think that Mm. some people go through life and this is once again, where the insecurity comes in, right? I always bring it back. That's where I saw it related. Yeah. Some people feel that they are always the victim, right? So whenever anything happens, good or bad, they're the victim of it somehow. And they, go on their social media platforms yep. and they talk extensively about how they are the victim of something mm. that happened to them, yet they made no effort to correct it. And I don't mean a situation in which somebody pulled a gun on you and it was actually unsafe. That is a victim, yeah. right? Yeah. But just like, you know, I was walking across the street and then, you know, this person came up to me and said this and blah, 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 blah. And, I, and you know, mm. or they're just like, I said this to somebody because I've noticed What is interesting is with some of the people who have victim mentality, they're actually aggressors in small ways, but they don't recognize that they don't recognize that they've initiated aggression. They've started it themselves and they see themselves as the victim because it ended badly. So the last result was bad, which is why I think you should just not start aggressively. I don't see the point in beginning things aggressively with people once again you don't know a person who looks scary could be really nice if you approach them in a way that's genuine Mm. that is kind somebody looks like they're having a bad day I like to just give compliments to people in general like Mm. I like to be like your hair is really straight (laughs) and it is these are not untrue compliments (laughs) and you know that that person's face kind of sometimes, you know, 50% of the time I get a turnaround. I get that person, they light up. They're just like, yeah. oh, thank you. My hair is really straight. I've worked really hard at having straight hair. And I'm like, great. Have straight <laughs> hair. Like it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and own I, that. I think that, own that. Yeah. But uh, certainly being a victim, which is having a bad action, a toxic action against you versus having a victim mentality, which is the whole world is against you. Mm. The world is not against you. No offense. The whole world has better things to do. Like mm. there are a lot, there's a lot going on in the world and the world is not out to get you. Mm. People generally speaking, cause there are some crazies out there not out <laughs> yeah. to get you, yeah. but the universe, you know, is pretty even if you put, I believe that if you put out really good energy out of the universe. Bad things still happen, of course, Mm. but the way people interact with you is a lot less negative if you don't look at people like they're big negatives. Yeah, right. You just end up filling the space with what you believe already, you know, and then your reality confirms your belief and then it just becomes a vicious cycle half the time. But yeah, no, thank you for sharing that the difference there too, because it's something that I've yet noticed a lot on social media and it's something that can definitely get out of hand very quickly. Now we've talked about like Twitter and Facebook. What about Snapchat and, you know, Snap Maps that has just come out recently, right? Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? How do you see that affecting communities and the way people interact with one another? I've seen such interesting things and I should mention that because we're, you know, recording this on July 5th and they just released Snapchat links and geo filters, right? Targeted geo filters today. Oh, wow. Um, which is, yeah. But in terms of maps, I find them super interesting because you can actually track somebody as they fly from one country yeah, to another. <laughs> they, just, they just put you in a little 
emoji airplane and you just truck on by, I was hosting a meetup with some friends and it was hilarious because we were all riding in the same car, but for some reason, Snap Maps showed us in different cars. At one point, it showed one of the guys not even in the car at all. He was <laughs> five blocks away. He was walking and we just laughed so hard because it was so hilarious that we are all in these cars driving and he was the actual driver and his, for some reason, his little guy was just like, I don't want to do this at all. (laughs) Snap Maps is fascinating for me in terms of building community because you have this great way to show how you are physically all in the same space, right? Or you can show, hey, I am here, but look at all my friends who live, and I live in Los Angeles, so look at all my friends who live in Los Angeles. We're all hanging out on the same snap map. I think anything that makes you feel like you are actually more physically connected with other people in your community is good because it makes you feel like you are part of these people who are just doing their daily lives and you can see it. You know, I can open up Snapchat right now and see on my snap map that I have a bunch of friends who are just hanging out. It's 5.43 PM here. So some of them are still uh, at work. (laughs) So they're probably at work. uh, And some of them are, you know, trekking along in their cars, driving to wherever it is they're driving. Mm -hmm. I think it makes the world smaller in a good way. I also, as of course, a woman in tech and entertainment have to be incredibly careful so the only problem with snap maps is people knowing where you live or where you frequent really regularly as a woman. But outside that, it's really fun for if I'm hosting a meetup or if I'm in a place that I don't go to that often. For example, earlier today, I was close to the wizarding world of Harry Potter. <laughs> and I can tag that because despite what everyone thinks, I don't actually live at Hogwarts. So. <laughs> You sure go. I wish I did. I wish I did. I'm gonna find a way to scale those walls and climb into that castle. Be here first, but uh. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun to be able to say like I'm literally here, guys, and then see who else is there. I think it is funny. It's going back to Foursquare, right? Yeah. When we used to yeah. tag places in Foursquare and be like, oh man, we're all in the same cafe. Like, let's meet up. This way is hilariously with like these bitmojis, which look like honestly characters Mm -hmm. from the early 2000s. Like, right. (laughs) It's almost like we're going backwards and forwards at the same time. (laughs) Ooh, that's trippy, huh? (laughs) Just like Giphy or animated GIFs, you know, like why did that make its way back into like general online vernacular or you know usage within slack using emojis there too and like now it's entering like the enterprise why do you think these things are like coming back it was it just a a time thing it just needed time what are your thoughts so there is an interesting store it's called box lunch and it essentially peddles nostalgia in the u.s so Mm. currently There's a bunch of Nickelodeon things that they sell, a bunch of Star Wars things that they sell, Mm. classic Disney paraphernalia that they sell. I actually think that emojis are part of nostalgia. So, like, I Mm. think that people who are, say, 30 or above are using emojis and using GIFs because they've seen it before in the first iteration Mm. of the Internet. And I obviously probably like 30 to 40 because before that, you just weren't using the Internet. Yeah. (laughs) And I think obviously everybody below that is experiencing it for the first time. So Mm. they are seeing it as like, oh, this is just the language 
that I grew up on. It was funny because I was speaking to somebody on my team about emoji grammar today and how many should you put a space before the emoji at the end of the <laughs> sentence? Should you still have a period? And we're, we're having a very serious yeah. discussion about this. And it's uh, this whole new language, actually. It is. It is. And it, it you know, existed before. And I'm going to throw out some real old school words. ICQ, oh AOL, my, <laughs> all these places. But it actually never was its own language quite like it is now. Mm. Emojis are their own language. And you have these fascinating apps that actually translate your words mm. into emojis now. So you'd be like, wow, this house is on fire. And it will just do like, wow face, wow yep. face emoji, house emoji, fire emoji for you. So, and people can read that and understand it because we are now thinking in such an interesting graphical format. And yep. that's why we also like GIFs because they're moving graphical formats. Mm. And I think, I, you know, I still own paper books. I buy paper comic books. I love everything that you can hold in your hands as a tangible object, even though I work hilariously in social media yep. and in the internet. But I think that, you know, the newest generation is not that way. You know, they, they love them some fidget spinners for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, outside of that, I think that they think in such an interesting digital way. They think in images as opposed to words. And so for them, they speak in images, right? If you think about it, taking a snapshot of your daily life and sending that to your friends, you're speaking in images. You're not speaking yeah. in words anymore. Yeah. And it's fascinating to think about how we used to send letters to each other and physical paper notes. And, you know, they don't. I feel like, especially this youngest generation, they don't do that because there's no need to do that. That's not yeah. how other people speak. Yep. So if your friends don't speak that way, why would you speak that way? <laughs> exactly. We also come to peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the Egyptians had it right from the beginning with their hieroglyphs. You know, maybe they were onto something. Yeah, see, they were speaking in their own version of emojis. There yeah. was grammar, I'm sure, there too. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Uh, or actually, we probably do know about, haha, ha, uh, history major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. It reminds me too, in my day job too, when the execs started to get on board with Slack and then, you know, starting to use emojis at the beginning, it's like emojis were the initiation into Slack, right? And, and, and the GIFs were the initiation. And then they, at the beginning, they're like, what is this, you know, foolishness? People just like are being silly and there's no point to it. But now many of them can't live without it. <laughs> right? And there is like a lexicon now where we have to put like, okay, this emoji means these things in our company now, right? And it's like, yeah, that has been developed. Like, have and you, that's what's yeah. so great about Slack is that Slack allows you to do custom emojis and custom, you know, and, and if you do the Giphy integration with Slack, then you can easily, very easily spam many channels <laughs> with GIFs <laughs> and Slack because we've as many of us who have worked with the different Slack communities have witnessed uh, the abusers of yes. GIFs in Slack. <laughs> but I love that you can do custom emojis in Slack. And I'll bring up something else that you can do custom emojis in that is also a fascinating community to study, Twitch. Ah, yeah. Yeah, in Twitch, you actually pay for, you know, as a user, you can pay for an advanced pack of custom emojis that you can then use in streaming chat. Right. And these are usually emojis of your favorite streamers or say like, you know, I worked on Geek and Sundry and I worked in Nerdist and all these other nerd brands. So 
It'll be like a dice from Dungeons and Dragons. And it'll be a custom emoji of that dice from Dungeons and Dragons. And they want that. So they'll pay real money to get a D20 to be absolutely specific (laughs) from Dungeons and Dragons. Or, you know, a little image of their favorite streamer saying like a catchphrase. Because that's how, if you're a cool kid, that's how you really interact if you really love the community. For those who don't know what Twitch is, what is Twitch? <laughs> oh, yes, of course. So Twitch is, and I just hop around all sorts of online communities. So yep. apologies. Twitch is a gaming community. So Twitch has lots of very interesting pieces of content on there. It's all streaming, generally live, but it's all related to games. So But there's many formats that you can have games in. So there's people who play straight games or there's people who actually have a talk show while they play their games. There's people who do betting systems so you can bet on who will win a game while they're playing it. And then somebody at the end will win this pot of money. So I find that super fascinating. My last role, there was a we had a show called Minds and Crafts where they played Minecraft but also played made physical crafts. So they they would make like uh, planters, but then also make a planter in Minecraft. There's so many interesting integrations there. And, and Twitch itself is a community that is just like Musical.ly, which is a young music app for tween girls, primarily tween girls and some tween boys. <laughs> Twitch is really for that younger, early 20s demographic and some of the older 20s demographic who really loves video games. They just want to watch other people play video games or you know stream themselves yeah twitch is it's amazing even my nephew and he's six he's he's quite familiar you know with twitch already and you know youtube and twitch is how he learns that's his source of information and knowledge and i'm he learns things that i'm not even aware of you know of course because he's just watching videos all day long and i i I sometimes wonder whether they need to even learn how to like write (laughs) or not they just like matrix it's becoming like the matrix now these days but I've got so many more questions, but I know you and I both uh, might be a bit time bound. But usually at the end of the interviews, we have these rapid fire questions. So they're about five, four to five. Are you ready for me to ask you them? Yeah, for those of you who could not see her hand, she just did a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Goldie, first one up. What's one book that has had the biggest impact on your life? I love The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, and I probably pronounced his name wrong. This is the number one book. I have bought so many copies of this because I literally give it out to every single person who works under me gets this book. All of my interns get this book. Every single person gets this book. It has impacted my life because every time I read it, I feel like I find something new in this fable that is so simple yet so profound because it is partially about failure and it's partially about Understanding that life takes many different directions and you have detours. And that is natural. That is healthy. It is okay to fail. (laughs) Yes, it is. A beautiful book. What's your favorite quote or motto? Okay, so that is funny that I just talked about failure. My favorite quote, I'm going to say the long version of it now because I'm just going to say it. It's by Walt Disney. And it was in his early years. And he said, I think it's important to have a good hard failure when you're young. I learned a lot out of that because it makes you kind of aware of what can happen to you. Because of it, I've never had any fear in my whole life when we've been near collapse and all that. I've never been afraid. I've never had the feeling I couldn't walk out and get a job doing something. 
And I think this quote is so powerful. I usually use the short version. I think it's important to have a good heart failure when you're young. But Walt Disney is so brilliant in that he had so many failures. He was nearly at the edge of financial collapse. He had his main character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, stolen from him by studio. And he made Mickey Mouse to balance that out. And they were like, this mouse, nobody will like it. And it is now Disney as we know it. I think it's so important to understand that it is okay to have failures and it is okay to take a survival job. It is okay to, you know, my favorite motto, make rent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's okay to make rent or make mortgage, whatever it is you need to make. And it's just, once again, it's okay to have failures. It's okay and healthy to talk about your failure. You just need to be able to pick yourself back up and be like, okay, I'm ready for my next failure. (laughs) Yes. Oh, girl, very inspiring. What do the words it will come mean to you? I think it means to me that patience will be rewarded with results if you also apply hard work and intelligence. So it will come is not just, I'm just going to wait here and just good things will happen to me because I'm a good person or I think I'm a good person. (laughs) But that it will come if you apply the right pressure. So like coal, we can all become diamonds. Mm. So many many, uh, tweetable quotes here. Uh, Guys, better watch out. If you were to choose any animal to be, what would you be and why? Oh, gosh. This, okay. Um, What is my favorite animal right now. I will say, because I'm a nerd, my Patronus. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Slytherin. You know, everyone thinks it's evil, but they're just very cunning and and they plan well. Mm. But my Patronus is literally the drooliest, friendliest dog on the face of the planet. It was quite (laughs) embarrassing when my friends got wolves and like really cool mythical creatures and I got a giant drooly Shetland dog. Uh, (laughs) But that is who I am, actually. Very loving. It's a herder dog. I tend to herd. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, I look at things really fresh and with curiosity. And I'm like, oh, let's go for a walk. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's important to have that kind of youthful curiosity throughout your entire life so you don't feel so bitter and so weighted down by anything. But yeah, that's who I am. I'm a big, drooly, hairy, uh, (laughs) giant herder dog that just (laughs) likes to hurt things and give hugs. And I will defend people I love with every ounce of my being. Mm. But pretty much, I'm all about hugs. (laughs) And knowing what you know now, what's one piece of advice you have for those looking to find their own way in life? Oh, gosh. I already talked about patience, so I'm actually going to skip that. (laughs) You know, I'm going to say something that I actually said the last time I spoke to this group of young people, Mm. which is be at least a little bit in love with what you do, even if it's not particularly fun Mm. or interesting. Yes. And I say this because, you know, a lot of us have survival jobs. A lot of us have day jobs or multiple jobs that we need to do to survive. And I think if you apply that hard work ethic, if you apply the fact that there's something to be learned from every single thing that you do, I think it makes it so much easier to have that job in the first place and not feel like you're drowning 
And it's also easier to lift other people up because you are looking for things to learn about. You are looking for people who are interesting. You are looking for nuggets of knowledge that you can gain from other people who may not be, you know, your A-list celebrity people that you think about when you think about who it is you look up to. Just absorb that, right? (laughs) Finally, before we sign off, we usually use this as an opportunity for you to share or promote anything that you like. Maybe something that's coming up for you. It might be, I don't know, a downloadable PDF, a white paper. This is, yeah, just your chance to promote anything that you'd like to uh, with our listeners. Awesome. So I actually released for the first time a tool on Product Hunt. So I'm so proud of myself and my team. (laughs) And it's called uh, Nena's Dynamite Industry Report. And it actually takes U.S. Census data and makes it understandable for small businesses. And it's totally free, will always be free. And if y'all are on Product Hunt, please go and upvote it because we could use the votes. Yeah. And then I have to say this because I have to say this, but please be gentle with yourself and others. There you have it. Wisdom from Goldie. Girl, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. For those of you listening, we've been trying to like schedule this interview for a while now. So I'm extremely happy that we were able to do this. And yeah, Goldie, look forward to seeing you in LA very soon. Thank you. Look forward to it as well. Bye. <laughs> and if you want to hear more from the It Will Come show fireside chats, the eyes may be able to see. Then go to itwillcomeshow.com slash podcast. You cannot fail. Believe it.